0: All righty. Welcome to the Paying Attention podcast. My name is Tom Duggan, hi, how you doing? How's everything? You in the green car? All right, good. Glad to hear it. We are high atop Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire, at the Studio Twenty One Podcast Cafe, and um, we don't have Paul today. Uh, Paul billed on us last week for we don't know why, but uh, we told him that we were going to have a guest this week, and. Um, He's always complaining he doesn't get enough airtime, so I didn't want to have a guest on and have him get even less airtime because there's two other people sitting up here, so. Well,
1: Tom, uh, you have to be here
0: to get airtime. Well, that's true, you do have to show up, actually. Um, So sitting to my left, we've got a great guest today, and this is something I've been looking forward to since she said she wanted to do the show. Uh, We have Methuen, school committee member, Jana Di Natale. Now, did I say that right? Because there's two Janas and Jana or Jana. I can never figure you guys out. You
2: did a great job.
0: All right. I'm going to do this Mm -hmm. because Jonathan didn't do a good enough job. Mm -hmm. So, um, we've got all of this stuff going on in the city of Methuen, Massachusetts. It's been a debacle. Everywhere I go, I'm in Boston, and people say, geez, what's going on in Methuen? I, talked to friends. I actually talked to a friend of mine in New Mexico, Russ Contreras, not too long ago. He works for AP, and he's like, Jesus, what is going on in Methuen with the cops and the, and, the, and the overcharges in the school department? Well, what is happening in Methuen? And so I thought a really good thing would be to have a member of the Methuen School Committee, since they're the reason why we have to have a $4 million uh, borrowing measure in, um, in Methuen. I wrote, I don't know if you read my my uh, editorial this month, Jaina, mm-hmm. um, we blamed you. So okay. I said, stop, stop blaming the police. <laughs> we got to blame the school committee and the schools <laughs> because they're the ones that are $4 million in the red that caused this financial mess. Um, so before we start, I think it's important for people to know who you are, um, kind of get a flavor for, um, you know, who, you, who are you? You're married, you have kids. What do you, what do you do for work outside of the school committee? Why did you run? You know, what is, what is your vision for the schools? Just give us some basic stuff.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. Um Thank you for having me today.
0: You're welcome. You have to speak up though. Okay. It's okay.
2: So, uh, yeah, I won't whisper. So, uh, I am a mom. I have two kids. They're 14 and 12. Um, they started school at the Timony in Methuen and um, continued on there through K to eight. My uh, youngest is going into eighth grade now. Um, I was on the PTO. I was working uh, as a prosecutor. And it was very busy I decided to be um, To take a little break from that After 12 years When you Um, say you
0: were prosecuted Was it like the Essex County uh, 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 District Attorney's Office? Yep, Essex County District
2: Attorney's Office Yep And um, I was Deputy Director of Training there When I left Also working as an ADA So I was prosecuting cases But also teaching new ADAs um, The ins and outs of the job Mm -hmm. And uh, I was prosecuting um, Child abuse cases uh, Sexual assault cases Failure to register As a sex offender case
0: That's tough. I mean, of all all the things that a prosecutor or a police officer has to deal with, and I've talked to um, a thousand of them since I started this business. They say dealing with people that offend kids is the worst thing that they have to deal with on a daily basis. It's got to be very stressful.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, they are um, extremely stressful cases, but I loved my job, Um, but my life was very busy. Um, Mm. You know, my husband works at a very demanding job as well, and um, I decided to just take some time off. So when I did that, I increased the amount of time I was volunteering um, with the PTA, and I decided to just – try to get involved with the school committee, I thought it would um, be a good way to take a next step in the community and do more because I had time. So it's worked out really well. I enjoy being on the school committee. Um, I enjoy the people that I meet in Methuen. It's been a great experience for me, but it's been um, a, a difficult past couple of years, I think. And I think Methuen has a long way to go in aligning the priorities of the city government with the priorities of the people of Methuen.
0: Now, can you give people an an overview of what does the school committee do? Because when we get into all these other questions, they might be confused because they won't understand. What exactly does the school committee do? Do they have the same kind of function as the city council? What is what is the role of a school committee?
2: So the role of the school committee is to approve the budget and to- The school budget. The school budget, yes. And to um, institute policies that are most appropriate to serve the needs of our
0: children. All right. I needed a little bit more than that, but we'll, it's, a good, <laughs> it's a good start. So you guys um, vote for the salaries of, police, uh, of, uh, of teachers. You approve contracts. Yes. Yep. Um, and, uh, and you guys have to reconcile if there's uh, if there's um, overspending or underspending. You guys have kind of have to reconcile that. You're like the fiscal watchdogs of the school department, right?
2: So every month we have a meeting and we get a copy of the um, spending. We get information about spending. Yes, we do. And we, um, you know, the budget is pretty much already set. You know, we set the budget. We asked for, um, we actually all agreed to, an 82.5 budget this year, and that was scaled back to 78. Um, I think that there's a lot to talk about there and I don't know how much in detail you want to get. Oh, we're going to get get as deep (laughs) as we can.
0: We're going to get like uh, Palmarino beneath the surface. But you know,
2: that's, um, that's something that's going to affect, um, the city budget this year, in my opinion, because we had a shortfall last year of approximately 4 million and, um, How do you how do you do that? How do you
0: overspend by four million?
2: Right. So I know people are angry about that, the fact that there was overspending. So we as um, so the school department has an obligation to educate every child, and there are laws in place with regard to special education and what the school has to provide. Um, The school budget, because it's been um, it hasn't been funded properly. Let's I'll just say that for the last several years. By whom? Uh, by this the city the city hasn't funded so the city it hasn't you're saying the city yes. hasn't the city kicked council in enough. basically
0: hasn't kicked in enough for the schools to pay for what they need
2: they haven't kicked in enough yep and it's not I don't think it was malicious I think that there hasn't been the right amount of planning um, there hasn't been the right uh, consideration given to where education dollars have been going and where education dollars need to go Um, if you look at Methuen compared to other communities, the amount the city kicks in is considerably less. The amount we're spending per pupil is considerably less. So there was absolutely a a large um, amount that was spent over what the budget had intended for this year. Um, But we needed to spend those dollars to meet the special education needs of the kids. We have established, the superintendent went to great pains to make it very clear to city council members where that money went. Um, she laid it all out. It was all you know, spent on special education. And the fact is that there are more and more kids with different needs, and we need to address their needs. They sometimes have to be educated outside of the school district, and that is expensive. It's very expensive. Right. We do have you, to pay for do it. You, as a
0: side note, do you agree, uh, this always made me crazy when I was on the Lawrence School Committee. Do, do you agree that every child deserves a public education? Because so yeah. I kind of don't. Yes. Yes. Do. So
2: we'll we'll disagree about that. Okay. Yeah. Every single student I believe in the law says support, deserves a public education. Even if the law didn't say that, um, I think that we need to provide a proper education for every student so that they can reach their full potential for every kid that's going to look different right Um, so that means for kids who are excelling i think for those students we need to make sure that they reach their full potential we have to provide them opportunities to learn every day we can't just put them in a class that doesn't meet their needs and for kids who are struggling We have to make sure that they achieve their full potential. It's gonna look differently, different. It's gonna look different for every student. We have to look at students differently. Let
0: me tell you why I feel differently. Mm -hmm. Hey, cartoon guys here, we appreciate you coming. Um, I feel differently because when I was in the school committee, my mom was the uh, school nurse at the Frost School in Lawrence. Mm -hmm. So she brought me to a special needs class. There was a kid in the class. Um, Mm -hmm. He was in a wheelchair. His arms were, um, um, they kind of went in the wrong direction. And his, Independent plan, his goal for the year was to be able to hold a cup of water for five seconds without dropping it. So I thought, wow, like they're going to torture this kid and make him keep trying to hold a cup for five seconds when he's, he's, he's disabled. He's not going to be able to do it, but whatever. Two years later, I'm touring the Frost School again with my mom. We went into the same class, same kid. I said, well, what is his, what is his goal this year? Like did he achieve two years ago? Like did he hold the cup? No, his, his plan was still to hold a cup for five seconds. He's never going to do it. But, so they kept his, his goal for every single year was to be able to hold a cup without dropping it for five seconds and spilling it. And it just seems like an enormous amount of money for a kid who would probably do much better being at home with mom and dad, in my opinion. And so I see cases like that. And I'm, I'm not saying that all special needs cases like that. Obviously, you'd be an idiot to believe that. But there's an awful lot of cases like that where I don't, I don't know that. Every kid deserves an education in the public schools is, is a good thing. I think it's kind of a one stop one stop shopping one size fits all kind of thing
2: yeah thoughts, so, comments questions yeah, yeah, lots of <laughs> thoughts and comments. Um, our education plans don't look like that they're okay. very specific, and I think that's one thing that maybe people don't understand is the way that um, education has changed for students who have different needs they um, there are detailed education plans to help those students meet real educational goals Um, and I've spent time in fact just this past year I spent time going to the different schools um, with Gina Bozak who oversees uh, the special ed throughout the Methuen Public Schools and I went to the classes and I saw what the kids were learning and it is substantial Um, it is it's education that they need and deserve so that they can go out and be contributing members of our community. They absolutely um, deserve the services that they're getting and it is helping them to grow up and be able to contribute, which is what we all want. Is there a way to
0: measure that? Is there a way to con- quantify yes. that these kids are progressing in some way, the special needs kids that you spend millions and millions and millions of dollars on Um, is, is there, is there like a sheet that says, you know, X number of kids couldn't do this before, but now they can?
2: So part of the special ed program requires a significant amount of reporting. Um, you know, and some of that is confidential for the student themselves. You know, you might not be able to go and access that, but there are goals laid out at the beginning of the year and there are reports to show that um, the children are achieving those goals, and if goals aren't being met, then there are other um, there's other assistance put in place to help the students meet those goals. It's not just a matter of setting a goal and then not doing much, and at the end of the year being saying like you said, "Oh, well, that goal wasn't met. We're going to just do the same thing next year." Right. That's not what special education looks like. Okay. Special education is very different now, um, and I think that uh, we have enough. Uh, special education parents in Methuen that could, you know, speak to that. They could attest to that. Their kids are really excelling in their programs and they're very grateful for the services that are being provided because they are making a big difference.
0: If a parent doesn't, if a parent has a special needs child Mm -hmm. and they don't want to subject them to the silliness of a public education system and just Mm -hmm. want to keep them home. Are they allowed to do that, or are we now, are parents now forced to put their kids into a public education system, because there's this idea that every child deserves a public education? You no,
2: know, parents can homeschool their children. A lot of parents decide to homeschool their children.
0: So they have to. So they would have to homeschool them. They can't just let the kids stay home. Like, your special needs. You know, maybe there's some kids that just don't want that.
2: Yeah. So, um, I, you know, to tell you the truth, I don't know the specifics about mm-hmm. what's required for homeschooling. Fair but, enough. But um, I, I think that there are some. Rules in place to make sure that parents aren't just keeping their kids home. Every kid does deserve an education. So
0: you think so, Jenna? I, was, I think so. I was That's a, the voice of purgatory. And Sullivan's got a question. Well, I was on, on the fi- finance
1: committee in yep. my town in Massachusetts, and the thing that I was surprised about and didn't realize is how high the out-of-district expenses were, for yes. s- and how uncontrollable those are. You know, so they it always are. seemed like it was a big balance between trying to decide how much to invest in district mm-hmm. for services versus, okay, well, we're just not gonna be able to service this child, we need to send them out of district.
2: Yes, so that is absolutely true. Um, let me speak to both parts of that. So here in Methuen, um we try, to keep students in district as much as possible because that's where we're going to have the biggest savings and frankly we can see right in front of us how those kids are doing so I think that that's really good I've seen our special edu- education classrooms like I said they're great places I was so impressed when I went around and I looked at the classrooms and what the kids are doing they were all active they were engaged they were learning it was a really good environment the kids were happy the teachers were um focused, they had them involved. It was just a great experience for me to see that going from school to school to school, classroom to classroom to classroom. There was not one classroom that I walked into where I said, uh, this doesn't look right. I was very impressed. Um, so To know that we can bring services in-house is, it's a great thing. It saves us a lot of money. As soon as our students go out of district, you're absolutely right. We lose all control of how much that's gonna cost. Even
1: transportation costs for out of district is astronomical. It's
2: very expensive. We have to pay the transportation. Um, and we have to pay the tuition. The tuitions are going up. That's one of the things when I talked to you, Tom, earlier, about the fact that we were um, at a seventy eight budget and we had started at an eighty two point five, that eighty two point five, it provided for what we saw as the likely increase in both out of out of um, out of the district tuitions and the increase in transportation. And the budget as it stands right now does not provide for those things. Like a lot of districts, they have a fund set aside, uh, extra money, if you will, for when you go over, when new kids move into the district, when an out-of-district placement raises their rate of tuition, they can go to that fund and say, okay, we're going to take money from that so that we're not over budget, like Methuen was this year. The challenge,
1: Tom, is that, you know, the special... Special needs is mandated by law, so if you keep the budget the same and the special needs grow and you have to stay in budget, all you can do is shrink regular student education in order to meet the budget. So it's a challenging situation, I think.
0: So I have liberal friends that always tell me there's no such thing as an unfunded mandate. It's all a right wing conspiracy. It doesn't exist. And then at the local level, I always look like whenever there's a national narrative, I look at the local level to see what's true and what's not true. And I look at you guys, and I hear your superintendent consistently say this is an unfunded mandate. We have $4 million in additional special ed costs that we are mandated by the state to spend, and they're not giving us the money to pay for it. What's the truth?
2: So it's an unfunded mandate. So... Every
0: Wait, so, so the national narrative is wrong? There, there is such a thing as an under, unfunded mandate? There is such a
2: thing as an unfunded mandate. Unbelievable. We're getting some monies back, but it is not the full amount that we're spending, that we're required to spend. Right. To me, that is not a properly funded mandate.
0: So why, haven't the ed- why hasn't the education community, especially the teachers' unions, which are so vocal about getting more money— and so vocal about, you know, having to do less work and negotiating contracts and picketing the governor when they don't get their way. Why haven't they stormed uh, the, the state house with pitchforks and, tor- and, and torches and said, hey, what's wrong with you guys? You're mandating that we spend millions of dollars that we don't have.
2: Yeah, I can't speak to that. I don't know why they're not doing um, some things or why they are doing other things that I, I think are- – the focus is just a little bit off. But what I can say is this. Um, I can say what I'm doing about it. And um,
0: What are you doing about it, Janice <laughs> Natalia? Well,
2: one of the things that I'm, I'm doing is supporting Christina Minacucci, who we uh, talked about earlier. Yeah, that's but, crazy. Uh, I know. And you know what? I've been getting a lot of heat for it in my community. And it's very it was very difficult for me because, you know, as people from Methuen know, Lisa Ferry is our other candidate. And she's from Methuen. And I really like Lisa. She's an awesome person. Mm-hmm. Um, but... During the whole fiscal crisis, as it played out, Christina Minacucci without, um, you know, without us having any relationship, called me once, twice, sometimes three times a week to talk about what was going on and how she and I could work together in the future to make sure that Methuen schools weren't in the same place.
0: Did you ever get a similar phone call from any members of the city council?
2: I didn't get, no, I didn't get it. She was the only person that was calling me to reach out to me to say, what can we do to make sure that your students your schools aren't in the same place next year. That was so I was so impressed by that that after the fourth call I finally said, "Hey, you know what? I really think we need to sit down and Talk. I want to learn more about Mm -hmm. what you're doing and why you're doing it. So, she and I come from a little bit of a different place. Um, I think she is a more liberal candidate than I am.
0: Somewhat of an understatement. Generally.
2: But sometimes I think that when you're talking about local politics, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican. What matters is what you want to do for the community. And I know that she's a mom. I know that she understands special education. I know from talking to her that she's the type of person that's going to be very involved in Methuen politics. So, I didn't come on here to make this an ad for Christina Minacucci but um, this is just one example of what we as um, people in Methuen what we as voters what we as people in the community can do to make sure that we don't end up in the same predicament next time because I know that Christina Minacucci is somebody who's gonna go in and she's gonna fight for the changes that we need those are the people that should be fighting for these changes in special education funding it comes from the state down so we need the state money to come so that the city isn't trying to scrape together enough money to properly fund the schools. The state really needs to step in and do their job here too.
0: So I guess, um, I guess my biggest confusion when all this started was that the school department and the superintendent announced in February, probably should have happened a lot sooner, but they announced in February that there was this big huge budget shortfall in the schools. Mm-hmm. And the mayor who's chairman of your school committee never went to the city council and said, hey, we're $4 million short. We've got to start doing layoffs. We have, to have, we have to start having emergency meetings. Can you walk us through that process? But first of all, is that true? Because I don't want anybody to say, oh, Duggan's just saying that because he doesn't yeah. like um,
2: As So I can't speak to what the mayor has said to city council members behind closed doors, but I can, I can say this. Um, it became apparent February, March, April, that there was a deficit and it was growing and that it was funding that we needed to spend. And it's funny because people say, oh, why, you know, why didn't you just take this other extra money that you had and throw it towards special education? But the reality of it is there wasn't, there's not some like big pot of gold that we're sitting on and saying, oh, if we'd only had money to pay special education, we wouldn't have this deficit. The school budget has been, like I said before, underfunded to the point where there is no extra anywhere. At the end of the year, there's not like a bunch of extra money that we're sitting on that, oh, we should have just moved it over. No, that money isn't there. There's no extra anywhere. We're spending all of the money to educate the kids, to pay the teachers, to get um, the support staff into the classrooms, to provide the kids with the programs that they need to Be good contributing members of society. To be doing something positive after school, Um, we're giving them transportation. You know, we're spending the money. It's all going to the kids. Um, So, you know, I think it's I think it's difficult that that information wasn't conveyed when it became apparent that there was a deficit. Um, I, as a school committee member, I've said many times, and I've said to Tim Wood, I know you and I have talked privately. um, Would I do things differently about how that information was conveyed? Now, I sure would. At the time, um, you know, in February, March, when we started talking about a deficit, a deficit I thought that our mayor was going to carry that information over to City Council. Um, I thought it would be.
0: And you're saying he didn't.
2: He didn't, as far as I know. Again, he he didn't, and I'm really surprised about that. I just don't understand how um, how that information doesn't get carried over. And and it wasn't secret information. It wasn't information that we gave to him in a in a back room. We were sitting in an open public meeting The meetings were televised and you know I don't, our city council right now is working really hard and I think that they're doing an amazing job all of them. They're working around the clock. They're working so hard and they don't that. get paid the big bucks. They're all great people. They're doing it for the right reasons. But I also did have an expectation, like I was watching their meetings, that they were watching ours. No,
0: you, can't, you, and, <laughs> you can't. You can't assume that. I shouldn't.
2: I shouldn't have assumed it, and that was a mistake. And yeah. I'm not going to make that assumption again. But I did assume that you know folks were tuning into the to the meetings, and I. It was a surprise to me when people said, "What? Like we have a deficit? <laughs> how? Would, why didn't I know this?" Like, can we, we ta- find a
0: way to blame Nick? Di- Nick DiZaglio. Stop
2: it. We were talking. We were talking about it. You know, we were talking about it, and I remember. I think it was like March or April where I actually, you know, highlighted the number and I circled it, and I, I asked the business manager to explain it, and um, you know, he said that this is the amount for special ed, and we're waiting on Medicaid reimbursements, and we don't know how much that's going to be because you know that's an unpredictable number. And it, 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 but we knew there was going to be a deficit, and I thought people knew. And if I could go back and do it differently now, um, I would perhaps go to a city council meeting myself and, and just stand up and say, have you been watching? Did you see this? I, I might um, particularly you know, instruct or ask the school committee to instruct the superintendent to go before city council. Um, You know, I I thought these conversations were happening. I really did, and it was discouraging to learn that they weren't.
0: I think the position that I, and I think Tim Wood shares this position, is that you guys shouldn't have had to take a vote to direct the superintendent to go stand before the city council and sound the alarm bell. If the mayor who was supposed to do it and neglected his duties again and didn't do it, Shouldn't the superintendent have just taken it upon herself when that next meeting happened and he didn't tell anybody to then just pick up the phone and call school city council members and say, listen, I know you had a meeting last night. Maybe the mayor forgot, but he really should have told you X, Y, and Z. That we got a big problem here. Shouldn't she have just, she's the chief executive officer of the school department. Shouldn't she have just done it? Shouldn't that be part of her job?
2: So I don't know that it's helpful for me at this point to sit and and point fingers at people and blame them and say that they should have or should not have done something. Why not? I think, I will say this, I have asked. I, don't think,
0: it's, I think, by the way, not to yeah, be combative, okay. but I think that actually is your it's job. Okay.
2: It's okay. I So um, I looked at my job when this happened and you know I, the communications that I thought were happening weren't. I was asking all the questions on the floor that I thought I should be asking to bring issues to light for the public. Um, when I found out that the communications that I thought were happening were not I reached out to the attorney general's office and I asked them to conduct an investigation. That's God, what I thought God bless That's you. what I thought my job was. Did they,
0: how, after they laughed at you and hung up, <laughs> then what happened?
2: <laughs> they didn't laugh at me and hang up. No. Um, I, in fact, just called back um, probably about two weeks ago now to ask if they needed further information, if there was anything I could do. Um, I actually have to return a call to somebody there because I got a call back from them when I was on vacation. Um, I don't think it's my job to point fingers I think it's their job to do an investigation and if somebody did something wrong or didn't do their job including me um, I, I think they should tell us they should let us know I think I did my job and I'm not saying that in a defensive sort of way I just was doing what I thought was best for the community I was bringing things to light that I thought should be made public I thought communications were happening that clearly were not and I'm learning from that moving forward. Um, that's all I can do. What I can say is we need to do better for next year, and that's why I've spoken to um, city councilors privately. I've tried to um, make statements publicly, including the one I'm about to make, which is that the $78 million budget that we have now is not um, going to be enough to cover special education funding again if there are the increases that have that we can easily project. Um, You know, we can look at what's happened in the past and we can use that information to forecast what our expenses might be and probably will be. I
1: I think another point is that uh, special education expenses are going up much more quickly than other expenses. Mm -hmm. Because we'd see that, too, when we looked at the numbers. Okay, the school gets 3% more for next year. Great. Except that the special ed expenses went up 20%, for example.
2: That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And, you know, I don't think that there's a general understanding of that in the community that when they see, okay, the school department gets this increased percentage, all of that and more is being eaten up by special ed. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't be. I think the money needs to go there. Right now, whether I think so, whether you think so or not, the law says we have to spend that money. And so if that percentage is greater than the percentage increase in our general budget, then all the other kids, that means stuff's being cut.
1: Yeah, it, means,
2: it means changes are happening to education for children in the district or programs in the district. And our superintendent and our staff, they're amazing. They've made it seem like we haven't been losing that money by working really hard to compensate so that the kids still have the same experience. And that's one thing that's gotten really unnoticed in all of this. I think that um, the school administration has been hammered. And, and, oh, they're top heavy. We're spending too much money. They're working so hard for every year over the past at least three to five years to make up for this difference that we're spending in special ed to make sure that all the other kids are still having the same experience. They're doing they're really doing more with less. We hear that expression all the time, but they're really does doing that, does it. Does that
0: include having a principal for each school and a principal for each grade and a yep. vice principal for each school and several vice principals for each school? Like, yep. I look at the middle management there and I hear the superintendent say, oh, we have to lay off teachers, the sky is falling. And then I look at like how, much, how many administrators there are and I think, wow, wait a minute, the Eagle Tribune published the police salaries and they're not the reason why we're in a $4 million deficit, but they never bothered to publish the school administrators' salaries, which is the reason why we're mm-hmm. in this four million dollar house.
2: So, so I'm happy to speak to that. So, when I was a kid growing up, we had um, a, a school that was K to four, and then we had a junior high, um, and you know we had a K to four, we had a five to eight, we had. Um, You know, a principal and a vice principal at each of those schools, and that was commonly accepted, that you'd have have these little schools and you'd have a principal and a vice principal. Right now, at, say, the Timoney, where my daughter goes to school, we have a principal for the entire K-8. to It's -hmm. a huge school. There's a lot of kids there. Um, One principal... And then we have a principal for the upper school and a principal for the lower school. Now, so what does that's that mean, like
0: upper school, lower school? I went to a regular school, school so, so I have no idea what right. it, that means. So
2: K to four is the lower school okay. and five to eight is the upper school. Okay. So I don't necessarily think that's super top heavy. We have the principal who oversees the whole thing. Mm-hmm. We have the the principal for each of the upper and lower. We have um, somebody working in special ed to oversee the special ed. We had deans. Those deans are were cut with the cuts, you know, Mm -hmm. that we had to make. Um, the deans are an essential piece to me. They were, um, the, you know, like I said, why do we a need them? Kids. Explain to
0: people at home because I, I hear deans and I go, it's just another level of middle administrators sucking money out of the system.
2: Yeah, no, so they were the people that were in charge of making sure that discipline happened. You know, when you're dealing with that many kids, I mean, you're talking about, you know, 1,200, 1,300 kids, the numbers change depending on what school you're at, but you're, it's a large group of kids. This isn't like a few hundred kids, and their kids was you know, all sorts of behavioral needs and special needs and just regular kids having a bad day and good kids that want to start a club and there's like a ton of stuff going on with all these kids and you're talking about a few people that are overseeing what's happening in the schools every day. I, I really, I asked um, the superintendent to include um, a chart which was included in our budget that anybody can look at online that kind of like outlines um, what administrative positions we have. We're not we're not talking Does adding. it have the
0: salaries? I bet it doesn't have the salaries.
2: So, that document doesn't have the salaries. Yeah, I the didn't salaries. Think so. You know, you can ask for them, they're public information. I actually asked the superintendent recently for um, a full list of salaries for all of our employees. I know that people don't like when that information becomes public. And you know, I don't, I personally- when you get it, Can you
0: please give it to me so I can publish it?
2: You can ask <laughs> for it if you want. But um, you know, I, I understand that because I used to work for the DA's office. My salary was published every year. So I get what that's like to have your salary be published. It's not fun. But the people do have a right to see what people are being paid.
0: I I, I don't even care who the individual is. If she wants to give me vice principal one makes this, vice principal Mm -hmm. two makes this, I'm not interested in shaming people who work in the school system. Most of them are good people. But what what I do think the public needs is transparency. And it doesn't seem like we've gotten a lot of transparency out of this administration. Let me follow up with with one other thing. I know you probably want to disagree with that. I graduated Lawrence High School in 1985. I know times have changed a little since then. But we had one principal at Lawrence High School, Miss Horner. We had three assistant principals, and we had two guidance counselors for all of Lawrence High School, for the whole school. And now what we hear some, I don't know, 20-something years later, is we need a, a principal for the school and a principal for each grade level that we've portioned, out, lower school, middle school, then we need deans, and then we need uh, guidance counselors. And I look at all of this, and I go, it just seems like it's padding school departments with middle level administrators that really we were able to do without for years and years and years and years and decades before now.
2: Yeah. So th- the education philosophy has overall changed, I think, over the years. And that requires... Yeah, now,
0: now it's just teaching politics, yeah, by no, the way. We'll it. get to that after the break. That
2: requires more <laughs> That requires more attention um, to children. So, for instance, at our high school, right? We have a principal and we have, um, you know, basically principals that are in charge of each grade level and we have more guidance counselors. And the reason we have that is because look at all of the issues. When you were a kid, when I was a kid, if we got in trouble at school, I don't know about you, but we would get sent home. That mm-hmm. was it. You got sent home. Um, you got expelled. And if you were bad, bad kid, and most kids aren't bad. They just have issues that need to be addressed. Oh, see, I told
0: you she was liberal. <laughs> she, she pushed back no. on that, but she's proving it no, every no, time no. she answers that
2: question. So, I, so all right. I will say this. When it comes to kids, I do think we need to be finding out what the issues are and helping them um, address those issues. That's our, respons- our responsibility as adults and their children. Um, So when we're talking about children, yes, I do want to provide them with services. And I don't think, and we don't in Methuen, just send kids home. We deal with their issues. We help them to, you know, overcome whatever it is that they need to overcome, whether it's social, emotional, psychological, behavioral. Do you think Um, there
0: are some kids that are just bad kids?
2: Do not think that there are kids that are just bad kids. I think that there are kids. That's very that are common. Up.
0: Most people, most people hold that view.
2: Yeah. No. So I and I. I don't, say, but so, I know most people do. So I worked in a juvenile court for yeah. a long time when I started at the DA's office. I am not naive or blind to anything that you know is going on with kids these days. But I will say this: the kids that I saw that were acting in ways that we don't want kids to act. We're coming from families or situations that were very, very difficult. That I think if you know, most adults had to deal with those situations, they would be acting out in ways that we found inappropriate too. So, if we can help kids that are dealing with those situations in school and we can provide them the services that they need, so instead of growing up and going down a criminal path, they're going to be good kids, they're going to go to college, they're going to get a job, they're going to you know, study a trade. If we can do that, then we're making a real difference. How's it working out? It's working out really well. You think so? Yes, it is. Yes, more kids are graduating than ever before. Kids are staying in school; they're not dropping out. They're being successful. They're going to college. All of those numbers are going up in the direction that we want them yeah, to. Yeah, but this is, is is a good it, thing.
0: as we get ready for the break? Isn't it artificial though to say that because I look at the product? Tim and Tim Wood and I had a long conversation on his show mm-hmm. about I, I, I don't. He says he thinks teachers are heroes. I don't think they're heroes. I look at the product. You're graduating kids. They have better numbers, but you've changed the standards, right? So, of course, you have better numbers. But I'm seeing kids that graduate, they can't balance a checkbook. They don't understand what their rights are under the Constitution. They don't even understand the Constitution. They don't understand where our rights come from, but they know all about global warming. They know all about abortion and gay marriage. They know all about uh, um, um, all these other political ideals, right? They know all about transgenderism they don't know how to balance a checkbook. They don't know how to pay their bills. They don't know how to get along with people. So I look at the, I look at the product of what these teachers in these public schools are pumping out while everybody's calling teachers heroes and saying, oh, these, they love the children. Maybe they do, but they're not giving them what they need to go out into the real world. Most kids that go into Ooh. Northern Essex Community College from a public school have to take remedial English. They don't, e- they don't even have the skills to read and write a proper sentence. So, and that comes from every teacher I've talked to at Northern Essex. Yeah.
2: That's a lot That you just want to, But I'll address that As best I can um, I'm going to take Certain parts Wait do you want to gonna... Take a quick break yeah, And then sure. the people Will have to come break. back To get your answer sure. I love it
0: <laughs> All right, Let's take a quick break Here on the Paying Attention Podcast higher top Two Guys Smoke Shop At the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe I am sitting with Methuen School Committeeman Jaina Di and We'll be right back AM Auto Body. We got our friend Angelo over there. Angelo Memolo over there. He does great work on your car. So if you got a ding in your car, somebody hits you, you got a mechanical problem, you bring it to AM Auto. He's on South Broadway in Lawrence on Inman Street. Angelo will take care of you. Um, So what's the address there? 341 South Broadway, Lawrence, Massachusetts. Then we got Joe Zingales, Rosanna Zingales Lopez from Century 21. They have been with us from the very first edition of The Valley Patriot. They've been with us from the very first paying attention show which was in 1999, back when he was REMAX. He's not REMAX anymore. Now he's Century 21, Teams and Zingales. And they sponsor our bash. They gave a $1,000 scholarship this year. They gave a $2,000 scholarship last year. And that money comes right out of their pocket. That's not like they're collecting money from other people and just using it like I do. They actually took money out of their pocket. So I don't know why these guys love me so much. I really don't. But Twin Lights, let me tell you how, how dedicated I am to helping my sponsors The guys at Twin Lights Security needed an extra security guy to do private investigations and to do security for a certain thing in Boston. And they posted it on my page and asked if it was okay if they could use my page to solicit hiring people. And I said, you know what, as busy as I am, these guys sponsor the show, they sponsor the Valley Patriot, they give us $1,000 for the bash. I'm gonna go work for these guys. So I called up Pat McLaughlin and I said, look, you help us every single time we need something whenever I put out a call, you're there. If you need an extra person and you're short, I'll take the night off and I'll come work for you. And so I I have been, I've been doing some work for them because they're helping us. And so there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to find a way to help them in the meantime. So if you need security or if you're getting divorced and you need a private investigator, if you have a business and you need a private investigator or security, uh, you wanna call Twin Lights Security. They're based out of Gloucester, but they're very local. If while I'm driving around Lawrence, I get shot and killed, make sure you get my body to Perez Funeral Home because we do business with the people who do business with us. And he's on South Broadway. It's the old Scott Funeral Home. If you're an old-time Lawrence resident, it's the old Scott Funeral Home on on South Broadway. Perez Funeral Home at 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. Um, They do crematory services. They do all the stuff that they're supposed to do, right? And uh, Mike's a, a big fan of the show. He followed us when we go live. He's an advertiser now in the print edition of the paper, and he's now sponsoring this program. Perez Funeral Home and Crematory Services, 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. We appreciate him. Uh, Franklin Veloz from Veloz Auto Group. Uh, He specializes in people that have uh, maybe bad credit, no credit. Maybe you haven't had a job for a long period of time, so you don't think that maybe you qualify for a car loan. Usually, you know, they want you to have a job for a year or more. Uh, He specializes in getting people who have bad credit or no credit or maybe spotty credit, uh, getting them into a used car. He used to work for Charlie Dare's Commonwealth Motors for a long, long time, so he knows his stuff. I think he was the credit manager over there or something. So he knows what he's doing, and and he follows us live too. I really appreciate that he does. Every time I see him pop on, I'm very excited about it. And I was there yesterday to deliver his newspaper, and he said he's already had customers come in from us talking about him on this show. So we appreciate Veloz Auto Group. Go see Franklin. He's at 17 Mass Ave. It's right at the very beginning of Mass Ave on the Lawrence North Andover line. It's not even worth having a discussion. The answer is just no. All righty, we're back. I'm Tom Duggan on the Paying Attention Podcast. Hiya, Top 2 Guys Smoke Shop here in Salem, New Hampshire on 28 at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. And um, if you get a chance to Watch any of the other UPN network uh, shows here at Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. I'm going to be a guest on Political TNT. I can't wait for that. That's going to be so much fun. Um, I, it's my favorite. It's my favorite show that I watch on um, on the UPN network. It's uh, Tom and Nancy Grace. Is it Grace? Oh, Troy. Troy. I'm sorry. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Tried very hard not to do that the whole show. Um, and it is a great show. They just yell at each other for a whole hour. And they've asked me to come on and yell at them too, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that when we're done here. So keep an eye out for that. Sitting to my left, Janedina Natale. She's a member of the Methuen S- School Committee. Uh, I got we've only got like a half an hour left, 20 minutes left, so I, I need to cram in a lot. But before the break, I was asking you. How it is that these kids graduate, they don't know what their rights are. They don't, know, they don't know where their rights come from. Most kids that I talk to, especially Methuen kids, I ask them if they think hate, uh, hate speech is an exemption to the First Amendment. Almost all of them say yes. And I tell them, please go back to Methuen High School and slap your teachers because they didn't teach you the basics of our Constitution. So I, I wanted you to give you a chance to address all of that because I'm sure you probably disagree with everything that I said.
2: Thank you. Um, you welcome. <laughs> so, uh, the kind of I, guy I am. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot about the core curriculum that um, we're constantly improving, and a lot of those those things include civics, um, talking about the Constitution, um, teaching kids the basics. But I I wouldn't I don't think it's fair to say that our teachers aren't teaching those things now. I do think that sometimes um, our teachers. You know, just from the very fact that they're doing the job they're doing, a lot of them are maybe leaning um, towards being a Democrat towards liberal issues. Yeah, they're, um, oh, they're so almost they're, all liberal. You know what? They're humans. They're talking about the issues that are important to them in class. And so our kids are hearing that. Mm-hmm. My um, oldest goes to private school and her school is very liberal. And she comes home um, you know, with a lot of ideas that aren't the same ideas that we have at home. It's not to say they're wrong ideas. I'm glad that they're talking about ideas. It gives her a full perspective. But shouldn't the schools
0: and, not be talking about ideas and well, educating kids about facts like history, the Indians, the pilgrims? our constitutional rights, the Federalist Papers, isn't that the goal of schools? Not to give kids ideas, make them feel good about themselves and teach them anti-bullying. But teaching them like, you know, Martin Luther King. Yeah.
2: No, I disagree with you. I mean, we're going to ta- we're going to teach them about history, but their social studies <coughs> class is also going to talk about current events. And mm-hmm. that's where those conversations come up. And I'm glad that their teachers are giving them their perspective and they're asking them to think about things from their own views. But they're, you know, they're having conversations and that's important for our kids to be able to have. They need to be able to sit and have an intelligent conversation with somebody when they're out of school. They need to be able to... Um, to put their ideas together and then form those ideas into a thoughtful paper. I do think that we can do a better job with writing. I have had conversations with um, different staff members, with the leadership team about ways that we can improve that for our kids. Because can I give I, you an idea
0: on how you can improve yeah, that? Yeah, sure. So when I was at Lawrence High School back in like 83, 84, 85, if I had a science paper due, mm-hmm. and I misspelled a word on my science paper, a point would be taken off. Yep. If I didn't put a comma in the right place, even though it wasn't an English class, a point would be taken off. Mm-hmm. Today, none of that happens anymore. Right. Today, kids turn in papers for science class, math class, whatever other class they have. And if it's not an English class, they could turn in a sentence that's not even a sentence and they're going to be graded on what the idea of the sentence was, not the actual sentence. Yeah. So, so That's f- my suggestion is let's kind of go back to because that's how I learned. I learned how to be a good writer by mm-hmm. writing papers for all of my classes and then getting points taken off for of things that I misspelled or I used the wrong tense or the wrong verb, right?
2: Yep. So un- unfortunately, I'll, I'll be very honest with you. So when my oldest was um, in her younger years and she was starting to write papers, um, she would misspell things and she would, the paper would come back and there'd be a check mark at the top and I'd say, why? Why aren't you correcting the spelling? And it was because they, at the time, and this isn't how things are anymore in Methuen Public Schools, but the the thinking at the time was we're going to let them spell it the way it sounds and that's going to help them. Well, I didn't think that was a good idea yeah. then. And it, that's it like has teaching been, Ebonics at that point. It has been changed. And sometimes there are ideas in our schools and they're just not perfect. You know what? We're constantly evolving. We're doing a ton of things that are great and sometimes things aren't perfect and they need to be changed. And I think that when things are that way, when they're brought to the attention of the administrative team, Things then evolve, and it comes along. You have to tr- sometimes try something new, and sometimes it doesn't work. Um, my daughter's a great speller now, so it wasn't the end of the excellent, world. Excellent, excellent. Um, but I still do have my younger, my youngest still, my youngest still at the Timoney, and papers still do sometimes come home where you know that she gets a great grade, and maybe I'm just a super strict parent, but I see things that could be improved, and I ask our teachers to make constructive criticism, and sometimes they do, and sometimes they tell me, you know, like for her grade level, it's good enough, and so yeah, sometimes I have a different philosophy than the teachers, but for the most part, I think that they're doing a great job, they're giving the kids what they need. Because the thing that I don't understand as a parent that they do, and I think I need to have respect for that, and I try to, and, and maybe we all need to understand this, is that they have a curriculum that they need to teach, and that's the goal for the year. And maybe what I'm asking for for my kid is, next year's curriculum, you know what I mean? So I think we all have to have some patience and understand that these people are professionals and that they're teaching a curriculum that has been very carefully formed and they're doing that, um, they're doing a good job with that and we can see that in our scores because even though our scores, you know, take scores for what they're worth, um, they're not perfect but They are going up, we are seeing improvement and we have a lot of kids with challenges in our district and we're seeing improvement with those kids too.
0: We have a question from Neil, he asks, why do schools refuse to hold, refuse to hold children back a grade? If you can't pass MCAS in fourth grade, why do you deserve to go to fifth grade? Doesn't it make it worse for the kids?
2: So I, kids are not held back just on their MCAS scores because kids are way more than a score. Um, the MCAS score oh, is no, me. stop it. I mean, they're really seriously to, you know, hold a kid back on that, on just a score. I mean, the MCAS isn't, it doesn't encapsulate everything that that kid learned all year. I mean, seriously, you could never do that. Like the teacher knows best whether that child is ready for the next grade prepared. Are we just pushing kids ahead? Are we, just, are we just giving
0: social promotions so kids don't feel bad about themselves?
2: Um, you know what? I can't speak to that. I'm not in the schools. No. I, I honestly can't speak to that. I think kids are held back when it's appropriate. Kids are held back, but they're not held back just on the, on the basis of an MCAS score alone. Right. I mean, MCAS score is, an MCAS score, as I tell parents all the time, that's a score for how our school is doing. That's not a score for your child. Right.
0: That's a score for our school. All right. Fair enough. I don't buy it, but fair enough. Um, we've, we've got 15 minutes left, so yeah. I want to squeeze as much as I can in. We wrote a story not long ago about you doing a survey on the internet asking parents about kids from other communities, specifically Lawrence, coming into Methuen, being educated by Methuen when perhaps they shouldn't be. You got a lot of flack for that. In fact, they had an illegal secret meeting, an executive session meeting, where they pretended it was supposed to be for litigation and then all they did was just yell at you for what you did on, on the internet, as if you work for them. Um, can you talk a little bit about what motivated you to ask the public about this particular issue especially given that everyone in, in a position of power in Methuen freaked the hell out the second you did it because it's that one issue, it's a third rail issue, they don't want anybody talking about. Because everybody knows what's really going on, but no one wants anyone to say anything.
2: Yeah. So ever since I joined the school committee, I you know, when I started, I read all the policies. And one of the policies was a policy on residency that says the school committee every year we need to vote on um, – If we want to do a residency check and if we do want to do a residency check, what the scope of that residency check should be. And so the first year I sat on the school committee, we didn't take that vote. And I questioned it and said, why aren't we taking this vote and was told, well, the superintendent just decides that. And well, that isn't what the policy is. And um, so we did a grade level check was done that year and then the next year it came up again and I asked the public, you know, I kind of thought like, okay, well, am I the only one that's thinking that we should do a more in-depth check just because I think it's, the taxpayers deserve that. We need to make sure that all of these out-of-district special ed placements that we're paying for are for Methuen students because this is Methuen taxpayer money. It just seems so simple to me. And so I did the survey, and it was um, obviously not well-received. Uh, it was very well-received by Methuen um, taxpayers, but not by uh, the people that were sitting on the committee with me at the time or the superintendent, um, which I still don't understand to She this still day. thinks you
0: work for her. She still thinks that... Because she's been able to have a rubber stamp committee, guys like Rob Vogel, who's like her little poodle who just votes for whatever she wants. She just thought that, like, you guys work for her now, and how dare you go outside the scope of what she wanted.
2: I am – You know, the the good thing that's come from that is that we've had better discussions, I think, uh, about residency. The superintendent and I have been talking about um, what sort of residency check we need to do. We're still not in full agreement. Um, And the school committee does need to vote at our next meeting. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to come on your show today was to let people in Methuen know that um, next Tuesday is our school committee meeting. It's usually on a Monday night, but it's going to be on a Tuesday night. And one of the things we're going to be voting on is the scope of the check that we're going to be taking. No. <laughs> And um, I really think that we need to be doing a full residency check. And people have said to me like, hey, that's gonna be expensive, and are you racist, and why do you wanna do this? Um, I'm not racist, I, our schools are so diverse. I'm not trying to keep out a particular race. Um, it's about Methuen boundaries, and the fact that Methuen children should be attending Methuen schools. Um, with respect to the cost, our policy lays out the procedure for it. It says, you know, if you're gonna do a residency check, you send the information home with the packets that already go home with students in September. And then the parents will send back that information with the packet that they already send back in September. So it is a few extra pieces of paper. But aren't you relying
0: on the parents to not lie? Um, no, so they need to send in some
2: information. You know, I don't, I don't want to get too much. It's a very in-depth policy okay. that we have online and people can see it. But they need to send in documentation that shows they're actually living where they're living. You know, you need to have the bill that shows that your, your phone is there, your cable. And, you know, last time I submitted it, I, needed, I sent in a copy of um, the purchase and sale on my home. <laughs> you know, so there is, there is actual documentation. Is it a
0: big problem with... Kids from out of towns, because the other side, the Nick DiSoglio side, the one that wants no transparency and shut up about this, they they they're saying that it's it maybe it's one or two kids, but you're making a yeah. big thing of it. Is it a really big issue?
2: Right. So I have no idea. So this could all happen, and every single kid could hand in paperwork and be like, "Yep, we're all Methuen residents." And to me, that I'm not saying that we have a problem. I'm not in any way saying we have a huge problem with this. What I'm saying is that we haven't done a full check since 2011. A lot of people in the community have approached me with their concerns and said, you know what, hey, we're taxpayers, we're paying for all these students, we have all these expenses, we're in a deficit, and we don't, we're do not we not even sure that these are all Methuen kids, can you please check? And I think that that's a fair ask. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's us doing our job, it is gonna require some extra effort, I think that the extra effort is warranted. If at the end of the day, um, it shows that all of the kids are actually Methuen residents, and that's great, we can say, you know what the process we've had in place since 2011 is working however the process that we have in place right now is that we rely on a system where somebody has to call an anonymous tip line to report that you know they suspect somebody is living out of the district or has moved out of the district and those are the students we follow up on and when we do follow up on those students a lot of times they aren't living in the district anymore so to me, I'm just thinking if we're only relying on an anonymous tip line, we're probably not catching it right. for everybody that's moved out of the but district. But isn't it fair that the school committee and the superintendent
0: don't want to know what those numbers are, and they certainly don't want the public to know what those numbers are if they exist?
2: So, um, Bob Folklore at the last meeting um, scolded me a little bit. Shocking. Said, um, said that could, this- could you see
0: the strings from the superintendent's? <laughs> I'm, I'm not no. gonna go there, but right. the, he
2: did scold me and he said, you know, you could end up losing money for the district with this check. Like if a lot of um, kids in the mainstream classes, if you will, I hate that term, but just for simplicity here, if those kids are out of district, we are going to lose the money money that we get from the state.
0: so he doesn't care kids. that it's breaking the law and that it's a violation of policy. And he only cares about the money
2: um, it, it was from a factor what you're telling that me. it was a factor that was brought up Shocking. so to me, to me that really reason
0: five thousand why Bob vogel should never be on a school committee so
2: I don't want to attack my fellow school committee member he does he has it's he's a job. source of a lot of good information and he really does care about the kids but I will say this well, they, all,
0: they all care about the kids they I, all care about the kids he
2: and I will disagree on that fact because on that on that issue rather because um you know it doesn't matter to me if we do lose money on that particular piece it's not that much it's not going to be that much because it's right I don't it's think there's right. a thousand kids but at the end of the day it's what's right, right. and what's more important is it's equally likely that we will find that the kids who aren't here living in the district are receiving um, specialized education either in district or out of district that is a lot more expensive that's what I think. We're known here in Methuen for doing the right thing for kids with special education. So if I'm a special ed family and I'm living in Lawrence or Haverhill or Salem, and you know maybe my kid isn't getting everything that I think they should be getting, and I know that if I go to Methuen, I can get those services, because we are giving kids what they deserve, I'm going to try to go to Methuen maybe. And I just want to make sure that that's not happening, because we have this big deficit, and we have to show the taxpayers that we are spending the money on Methuen kids. What
0: is Methuen United?
2: so methuen united is a facebook page i started recently and i would just invite anybody from who's listening from methuen to um that's on facebook to go on facebook and join the page um there are a lot of methuen pages what we didn't have from my perspective was just a page where given everything that's going on in the community we could um have a place where people are coming to act in a positive way to further methuen and methuen's goals um that means uh, it's a place where people can get together, they can um, talk about getting out the vote, they can talk about the political issues, that's one piece of it, but it's also a place where um, school groups, community groups can go and say what they're doing and try to connect with resources that they need. Um, say they're even having like a fundraiser night at a restaurant. Well, it's certainly better if there's one Methuen community group where everybody who is in Methuen and on Facebook is a member. They're getting that information out to everybody instead of just their small group. Um, It's really just a way to like connect neighbors with neighbors, connect groups with resources um, to kind of move Methuen in a positive way. I hope at some point that we can get a group together to start organizing more positive community events. Um, Just really kind of it's at its infancy so we'll see where it goes. But I really hope that people from Methuen get involved because at at a very minimum, I hope it's a place where people can go and share information and it will get to everybody in Methuen um, without having any other, other goal, you know, no political leaning one way or another.
0: All right, now I'm going to make you feel even more uncomfortable because we've got about uh, five minutes left and I really want an answer to this because it's, it's my pet peeve and it's really been bothering me for a sure. long time. So in the last election, I showed up at a fundraiser for a school committee member and there is the superintendent. And I thought, Wow. She owes her job to them, they vote on her contract. It's a total conflict of interest for her to even be in the room. And the answer that I got was, yeah, but she didn't buy a ticket, which to me makes it worse because now she gets something for free, right? So I went over and I said to the superintendent respectfully and not in front of a lot of people, I wasn't trying to embarrass her, listen, you can't be here. I did the same thing with the previous Lawrence police chief when he showed up at a Dan Rivera event. I'm like, he signed your contract, you can't be here. And she's like, well, you know, it's a, I got all these excuses. Well, everybody does it. I go to all of them. It's not a big deal. I'm not showing favoritism. And, uh, and I got a commitment from her that she just wouldn't do it anymore. I'm like, look, I could take your picture right now, put it in the, put it in the Valley Patriot, and you'd be in big trouble. I'm, I'm not going to do that. But please just don't do it again. Well, a couple of nights later, I'm at Bada Bing's, and I think it was a fundraiser for either you or uh, DJ D maybe. Um, and she was there again. And I was like, wow, like I don't get this at all. She now knows because I told her that this is completely inappropriate It's a complete conflict of interest. I went over. I'm like, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm leaving. I just came by to say hello. Well, two two other school committee fundraisers later, she's still showing up at these. Did she ever show up at any of yours, number one? And number two, what do you think about the person who is your underling, the person you're in charge of, blatantly and publicly violating conflicts of interest laws by showing up at school committee fundraisers for people who vote on her contract.
2: So... No, she hasn't come to my fundraiser. She didn't come to yours. Um, (laughs) Are you the only one? Because I think she went to all the rest of them. (laughs) I don't know. We don't, you know, we have a good working relationship. I know you're a little worried
0: about what your colleagues are going to think about um, your answer, but I think the public really needs an answer on this. uh,
2: We don't always see eye to eye on everything, so that's not super surprising to me. Um, In fact, I didn't even have a fundraiser the last time around. Um, So we make $3,000 basically to to do this job, um, I end up spending about 30 hours a week doing the job. If you're going to do it right, it's kind of like a real part-time to full-time job. It's like 11 cents Um, an hour. And then I, I turn around, I use the money I, I earn for this, um, to donate to the kids groups in Methuen and I use it for my campaign. So I don't have to have a lot of fundraisers and do fundraising because I just don't think it should even be a part of this job Mm -hmm. because specifically for that reason, I think that, um, when you're doing that sort of fundraising, it's influencing the way that you're going to make decisions later on. And for me, I just really don't want—I um, don't want that to be a part of it. So I try to do as little fundraising as I can. Um, and yes, yeah, but what about the what about the superintendent?
0: She works for you. You're her boss. Yep. Why has she been allowed to get away with this? Is it because everybody on the committee are people whose fundraisers she showed up at? I mean, why why is it allowed? Why is there no letter to the ethics commission? Why is there no complaint filed? that she is just blatantly and publicly doing this.
2: Yeah, I don't I can't answer that. I never um, you know I think it would be up to somebody like you if you thought there was an ethics violation to file the letter. You know, because that's the only way yeah, not, I'm they not, don't investigate. I'm not interested in getting her filed. I'm
0: not interested in getting her in yeah, trouble, but no what what puzzles me is that she has bosses who see this going on and they look the other way? And my position politically is that sets a tone for her to be able to do it. That sends her a signal. She can do whatever the hell she wants because she's got a school board on her side. She's got a bunch of poodles that just they they're bobbleheads. They bobble. Yes, and whatever she wants. Yep, you're right, Judy. And and it it gives her the impression she can do whatever she wants. And I think the last couple of years have showed that that's what she's done.
2: So I think it's really important for, you know, when we get into the next election cycle, and I know people are looking ahead to that next election. Um, there, If you're watching school committee meetings, you're probably seeing that there are times when we're all in agreement with the superintendent, because she knows her job, she's been doing it for a long time, and for the most part, she does a really good job. Um, oh, she's a
0: nice lady, and so, I'm sure she loves poppies, yeah. but, but... No, no,
2: no, but just let me finish. So you, what people are going to see when they watch the school committee meetings is they're going to see some of us are more outspoken about the issues than others and about doing things in a different way. Um, and and I think people should start thinking about what sort of members they want on the school committee. I know the school committee isn't the, you know, the hot thing that everybody's following all the time, but I think that you want some people that are not just going to agree... Be- to agree I think you have to agree because it's a good idea I think you have to agree because it's the right thing for the Methuen or because it's the right thing for the kids or both but I don't think you should agree just because the superintendent comes out and says it's a good idea she has to explain it she has to make sure that it's a good idea she has to show us why it's a good idea and then we vote yes on Mm -hmm. it If people are voting for people that are just going to agree to to agree, then they're gonna get results that maybe aren't the results that they want.
0: This has been an incredible show. I think it's been very educational for the people of Methuen. I want you to take the last couple of seconds to tell people the one thing that you wish they knew about this whole controversy that's been lost. Maybe something that that they don't know.
2: Oh, I don't know know that I have any secret that people don't know. But I would say this the one positive that's come out of it is there's a heck of a lot of people who weren't involved before saying that they're going to step up, they're going to pay attention, um, they're going to stay involved. And I would just encourage all those people to continue doing that because that's how we're going to see real positive change here in Methuen.
0: Jane and Dean Natalia, did you have fun?
2: I had a great time. Will you come back? Thank you for having me, of course.
0: Excellent. We'd love to have you back. Maybe she could fill in for Paul when Paul doesn't show up. I think she did a great job. That's another full time job, right? (laughs) Listen, everyone. um, we have our friend Kim Anderson Who's looking for a kidney You can email her If you know anybody Interested at KimKidney1960 At gmail.com The Valley Patriot Is out in the street The August edition Our editorial is about uh, Stop blaming the Methuen police It's her fault <laughs> That's our editorial This month So make sure you Pick it up And right. uh, make sure you Make sure you pick up uh, Make sure you go watch uh, Political TNT With uh, Tom and Nancy Troy I'm going to be a, I'm going to be their guest on the next edition We're going we're to Record it right now Melvin Taylor says Go home So go home already